Hi there. Hi there. How's it going? It's good. Um, welcome to a new studio setup. I have no idea how my audio is going to sound. I also, like, a lot has changed. <laughs> I don't know if it'll change the next time you see me. This is going to change so many times that it's, yeah. like, just watch us experiment. It's fine. We're, our, we're in an experimentation era. We are. You know, we're just, we're hot, we're young, we are, <laughs> it's summertime still somewhere, so, you know, we're we're allowed to, uh, to consider what's possible. We are. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Elena. And this is Bet You Wish This Was an Art Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Elena. I love it when we try and experiment new things in the spirit of hot girl summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it when we do things that we swear we would never do. Yeah, sometimes we got to. <laughs> sometimes we got to. It's just I've had I've had a bit of an epiphany lately in terms of who is the monster and who is the man when it comes to like. My art history figures, especially as we're, you know, sinking our little toesies back into the sand that is podcasting. Um, And so I think this episode is necessary. Yeah, I think so, too. I've changed my opinion about this man several times and changed it for this episode as well while researching. So it's going to be an interesting discussion. I wish wish history didn't be wasn't so complex. But uh, today I am very excited, Elena, to talk about Andy Warhol with you. Andy. Let's yeah. get into it. So uh, Andrew uh, Warhol was born in 1928 in Pittsburgh. And he was born in a family of three other brothers and his mother and father were immigrants from um, now Slovakia, but back then Austria-Hungary. Mm-hmm. And he, from well, he claims himself that he was not uh, trained. Uh, he 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 was self-taught artist, but that's kind of a lie, which we yeah. will see as a theme in his life. Shocking. Um, but he he did get a good education at the Carnegie Institute of Technology, where he was quite flashy. He his professors quite saw him and recognized his talent and encouraged it. So it's not like yeah he was an outcast or something like that. No, there's um, not this raw talent that that came from nowhere and all of a sudden developed, which you know tells a great story. He's he's very clearly um, myth building, and he he uses almost any opportunity to myth build, especially when he moves to New York after the Carnegie Institute of Technology when he starts working for Glamour magazine. Mm-hmm. I think like he quickly saw that if he wanted to be recognized and seen he had to be different and special and while his work his his ability to produce high quality work was very apparent with like 
his development of the blotted line technique and the being able to take basic printmaking concepts and 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 kind of create um have a more productive and um proficient art making practice it was really that boldness like we talked about it was that penchant for telling a good story over telling the truth that that kind of gave him an edge and and allowed him to dig into what the art market was kind of craving um a celebrity of sorts yeah he was indeed obsessed with his image and his story um to the point of he collected a lot of what he did like receipts notes he made for himself movie tickets etc and he just put them in boxes and set these boxes in, in in like his house and then after he passed away there were like the hundreds of these boxes and his biographer Blake uh, Gopnik he wrote a uh, like 900 page book about him his whole life so yeah he's obsessed with being remembered he yeah. wants also to be remembered in a certain light which is people he, he was he was human i i i used to uh yeah i i used to criticize him a lot for being those so flashy but after like reading about him and be like uh, researching for this episode, he was very regular guy, just wanting to be known. I think, and he did. He he wasn't perfect. I think a lot of it is also the the style and the time period that he was creating art in. Abstract sure. expressionism, which has always historically been kind of considered this American art genre. Mm -hmm. um, you've got Pollock. You've got. Rothko, you've got these artists who create really deep, emotional, explosive, moody pieces. And Warhol, or Warhola at this time, didn't really like it. He, he, he understood color theory and that notion of like, why abstract expressionism was flashy and exciting and important, but that the, the real niche for him was that evolution of pop art as it bled out of the UK and moved into this post-war America, right? Like we're, we're in the 1950s. This is 1950s New York. This is post-World War II. This is as the United States is entering this booming era of hyper-productivity and shocking a very stable economy and all of these people who have had have seen the horrors of war, but have not necessarily had to live it. They've lived a life of austerity and now can live a life of excess. And pop art was pop art because it was popular art. This is something that's supposed to be generic and appealing and, and not to say bad, but, but to say like, this was for a wider audience. They say something like a, a Jackson Pollock painting, which a lot of, critics at the time just couldn't quite comprehend where the appeal behind abstract expressionism was on a on a marketable scale maybe from an emotional side but not not in the same way of like where's the where's the where's the mass produced culture 
where is this, where is something that I can get behind? Where, where can I recognize what's being shown without having to have an art degree? Yeah. Yeah. And this is also the time of like invention of new types of art, art styles and coming up with something new and crazy and different and something that will shock everyone. And, uh, so I think pop art also fell into that, that it wanted to showcase more indeed, like uh, the, po the popular culture, the uh, comic books, the Hollywood stars, the, yeah, very everyday things that you see um, and try to make it that into art. Um, so Warhol himself, he was drawn to this idea of being flashy and being creating something that was based on something that already existed and he he found his place in pop art and became one of the biggest faces of pop art um yeah and and, and he was successful i mean uh I, I think if anyone could understand what the thesis of pop art was, it was Andy Warhol. Um, even if in the, in the, in the principal era, it's, it's this rebellion against traditional art. Like it, it rebels against things like the academy that mm -hmm. to tell you determine what is good art. And it has taken it from the, it has taken it from the institution and has given it to the market, essentially. Yeah. And while that might not have been the initial desire of pop art, Warhol was able to to take it, to, to mold it, and to produce it in one of the most successful and very hyper consumeristic ways possible. And not and I mean, yes, in a critique sort of way. I think there's there I there's a lot of repercussions from his approach as well as his like individual approach to how he was able to be this successful. Again, Kusama would have a lot to say on that, but there's, there's something about like he understood marketing. He understood the market. He understood what was popular and what was consumable and what was exciting. Yeah. And he, 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 was specialized in commercial art. He knew what he was doing. He uh, he even worked for like Glamour magazine, yeah, doing marketing for, uh, for shoes. Um, he was very familiar of, of of this world, and I think he is someone who who was one of the first big artists. I think to make modern marketing very part of his life um in the sense of he was a marketer at heart he wanted to be an artist but he was a marketer at heart so that was yeah. kind of like and the the place he found uh, in pop art and in what he did was perfect for him because it fit his expertise of uh, marketing and it fit his personality of being this extrovert, this uh, friend of everyone, or like uh, like a leader, maybe even for his factory factory years later on. Yeah. He was 
eccentric and very flashy. So pop art was just made for him. And I think that's the best time of his artistic production. Yes. Uh, is during like the 60s, 70s when, when he was making pop art. I just, I think about his, it's, it's, it's what you said, that, that idea that he was such a people person and likable, but also really moody and misunderstood and mm. this like sensitive creative type who, who didn't, who didn't want to cause anyone harm. He just <laughs> wanted to like, he just, he just wanted to be a part of it. Um, cause I think about, right. We can't talk about Warhol without talking about the Campbell soup cans that, that everyone just kind of thinks about and, and associates with Andy Warhol. And it wasn't even his idea. <laughs> I love that New Yorker article quote that you put. I, I just, I find that to be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a great New Yorker article. You should check it out. It's in our sources uh, on the website. Uh, but that one basically sums up the biography, uh, the 900 page biography uh, very well. Um <laughs> And in it, it says that there was like a rumor or like this book says that Andy uh, was among his friends and he asked someone to come up with like a nice idea for for his art or something like that. And one of his acquaintances, uh, a gallerist, uh, Muriel Latrell, um, she said that she would give him a very nice idea if she, if he gave her a $50 check. <laughs> and he did. And she suggested to make the Campbell soup. Uh, Campbell soup cans. <laughs> God, could you imagine? And, uh, yeah, this article quotes... Um, Often artists who are praised for birthing a new trend are not the actual originators, but the ones who made the trend appealing to a large public. And that sums up Andy's career also very well. I just think that sums up the art world extremely well. You know what I mean? That too. That too. That too. Especially now. Oh my God. You know, how many artists are, are, who have put in the work and have tried so hard and really dedicate themselves to the craft and then due to poor timing or bad luck or just not the right connections and not enough capital to like promote themselves fall short. It's, no one, no one would have loved Instagram more than Andy Warhol. I believe that. You can put that on my grave. I just, I have such a, it's so funny. And not to say, again, again, this is the conflict. This is, this is the internal struggle. It's, it comes from a position of privilege. It comes from a position of access. This is a white man working New York without European influence or without mm-hmm. a, a predominant European influence in the art market. So the people who are consuming and supporting and critiquing his work are people who appreciate having such a a novel art like expression to to see themselves through. And again, it's just because you get Campbell's soup cans, great. Which what American doesn't know what the Campbell's soup can looks like as you're walking down grocery store aisles that are always full because again we're living in a very productive and successful America at this time. You have Coca-Cola bottles, you have 
the $1 bill prints. Of course, as you said, celebrities. Mm-hmm. If 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 Marlon Brando or Elvis aren't your first like major celebrities of the 50s, 60s and 70s, then Marilyn Monroe is. I was going to call her Marilyn Manson. That just shows my age. (laughs) Elder millennials over here. But I just, I, but I, I just, it's so funny to me. Yeah. It's also like, this is the, this is one of the arts where people are confused as to why is this art also, right? Pop art. Yes. Um, Yeah. And that is a whole conversation in itself about modern art and why it is as important as it is and Which why we'll leave your for child our... could not make that. We'll leave that for our intro to modern art episode. Yes. <laughs> I, I, ugh, Andy is not the right place for it, but he is the reason why we have this conversation. I yeah. just... Yeah. But, um... He yeah. just steals a lot of people's work. He... he takes inspiration but actually really steals because he's using the picture taken yeah. by someone else there's a whole lawsuit about it that was recently uh. resolved um vanity fair hired him to make a cover for uh their uh magazine for prince mm-hmm. um, and he used a photograph of this one uh person so he used uh goldberg's uh, picture with her permission, she got a little bit of money for it um, to make his art- artwork. And then later on, years and years later, Andy's pass- passed away uh, and Vanity Fair, uh, Princess passed away and Vanity Fair wants to make tribute to Prince. And they go to Andy Warhol's foundation and give them the money to use no. this photo. And they do not at all pay the other Goldberg artist who was responsible for taking the photo itself. Um, and so she sues the Andy Warhol Foundation and she won. She won, but there's the, the, people say that it's both good and bad that she won. Yeah. Um, so like the people who are saying that it's good, of course, say like um, it's good for the smaller artists uh, and for like... Um, for them to claim uh, their work as theirs and like yeah that that intellectual property that you own, exactly. that you have ownership over the work that you make yeah um, which yeah. is great but then it's they say it's bad for creativity and that you can't like sample other people's work or use their work in your art as inspiration or something like that which is very gray area. It's 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 a tragedy on Vanity Fair's part, as much as it's a tragedy on like what the Andy Warhol Foundation kind of stands for, because a lot of it is it's it's the same copyright questions that we talk about, and uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But like the reason why copyright law exists, the reason why we have intellectual property, the reason why why the work you create needs to be associated with the person who created it is so that you are protecting the person who made it, exactly. and and the problem with artists or with creators or with producers of content just blatantly taking a one for one is that you're not you're not crediting the person who gave you inspiration you are not crediting the artistic vision behind the person who 
also put in work to make the thing that you are blatantly taking one for one. And it's one thing if like, I really liked this color palette, or I really appreciate the way that this figure was done, or I love this subject. Let me, let me see what I can do with it. This was Goldberg's photograph that Andy just kind of said, Hey, I like that. Can I use it? He, to his credit, he did rework it. He like cut it, put a different color on it. So it was different. It was different. It was altered. It was not the original one for one me selling. It's, it wasn't plagiarism, but it was close. It was so close. It was very close. It's a thin line. (laughs) But uh, yeah, this is also, that wasn't the case, right? That it wasn't the case. Or that's what they were trying to make clear that it wasn't the case between Andy Warhol taking the painting uh, and and using it because he did have permission when he took it and he they did pay her even though they paid her like pennies. Um, But the the thing here was that Vanity Fair did not pay her. And paid someone else when it was her no, work sad. originally. I yeah. think, yeah. But to to get back to Warhol, <laughs> it's just the 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 aftermath of Andy Warhol. <laughs> yeah, but he is the best selling American artist, of course, today uh, of all time. He sold. Uh-uh. For one hundred and forty or one hundred ninety-five million dollars, um, one of his paintings sold in twenty twenty-two. So, so let's think about this for a second, right? So, Andy Warhol is one of the artists that really, really successfully captured what does it mean to make a lot of work really quickly. Screen printing comes during this era, and printmaking as we've seen from the invention of the printing press to today, if you can take an original document or an original concept and just make a duplicate of it, you now have essentially just printed yourself an unlimited revenue source, right? Usually, and and Warhol kind of also does this, usually what happens is if you make a lot of something you lessen the value of it because of that supply-demand concept. You have more of a print, so it's not as expensive to purchase one, which means that more people can buy it. That's brilliant economics. If everyone can have an Andy Warhol painting, then why wouldn't everyone have an Andy Warhol painting? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just incredible. And, And screen printing is easy because since it's mesh, like once you make the mesh for it, unlike other forms of printmaking, there's very little deterioration of, of the screen. Mm-hmm. And and if you are careful and you maintain it and you're just forcing the ink through it and just doing that over and over and over again, you can get infinitely more prints. These aren't the prints of like Francisco Goya or literally name any artist working with intaglio printmaking techniques. Have we done a printmaking episode? I think we mm-hmm. have. We have. Uh, it's just Durer. screen printing. Yeah, dur. But it's 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 one of those. <laughs> but it's it's one of those like it's one of those mediums that's extremely accessible. It's extreme. It's it's so economically sensible 
that when Warhol pivots to that being his like primary art form, his 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 profits are astronomical. And again, this is a New York art market and everybody loves this guy and yeah, who wouldn't want a print of Marilyn Monroe if if it if you can buy it for pennies essentially. Yeah, and and, and this is also he's not making the prints himself, right? Also he that. Has... <laughs> also that. <laughs> And I he mean, has a factory. The factory, yes, the factory. And he has artists that work for him. And this is kind of like uh, I'm being reminded of like the Renaissance, yeah. finishing up your master's paintings and stuff. But this is very common practice. But oh, he, and you know what? We love to see an outsource yeah. of work. I don't think I don't think that's the critique. I just no, that's not the critique. It's just ironic. <laughs> it's just you know, art, it's just art. funny. History repeats itself, Elena. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, yeah, he did have people working for him. He had a great name for himself. He was a marketer at heart, so everyone loved him. He was at all of the events. He hosted a lot of events. Yes, he loved um, being seen. He was the, he was in the hub of the like the art world's clique. Yeah. And he he was one of the top players at the time because of his pr- big personality and because of his name and everything. So that was a big part of his success. Pop art and what he did, they were revolutionary for his time. They were good. His art back then is objectively important. Until the art market abandons him. Yeah. Then they do. He gets almost murdered. <laughs> He's he well, he, he gets shot by a person that he worked with before. Ah, uh, Valerie. Um, yeah, and uh, he survives, but his the seventies, like the beginning of the seventies, the yeah. era after the shooting, is more mellowed out for him. He becomes more introverted kind of reserved he yeah. he is a changed man he is and uh, i mean i think it's worth uh, it, we should mention that he is one of the most successful queer artists to this time yes he was gay and i can imagine that takes a toll as well he's a man of his time he was someone who fully understood that if he wanted to be somebody, he had to make himself a somebody. Yeah. And I think through this artistic freedom that he had, through, of course, the partying and the excitement and the scandal and this notion that he was already rejecting what was expected of him and and to be in such a, a welcoming and and like-minded society helped him become a successful artist but to really build the myth that was Andy Warhol. Of course, like his his work was dynamic and interesting in the sense that it was new. And I think yeah. where we're where we constantly find very reasonable criticism for for Warhol is that it's the same thing over and over again. In the 70s when he's doing the celebrity portraits, they they they're superficial, they possess zero depth because he's not the you know, he's just taking somebody else's idea and he's 
replicating it over and over and over again. And he's also um, a sellout, right? And he's also a sellout, and everyone hates a sellout. Yeah. yeah. That's how he, they view him, so they're, like, the public's opinion of him starts going down. And in the 80s, when he starts collaborating with the younger artists, they see that as him grasping for, yeah. like, his old fame. Which might be true, I don't know. Maybe we he covered just it. liked these artists. Um, Basquiat is one of the artists. We've talked about him before several yeah. times. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I can't pretend to be in his head when in this part of his life. While I understand his motivations in, in the earlier parts, this time is more vague to me. Sure. Um, but I think he indeed became more introspective. He became more self-focused, which is, he liked doing celebrity portraits. He liked yeah. having, going back to painting and making art. So I think that's also something that he lost along the way with all of the prints and all of the reproductions of his old stuff, that he wasn't really allowed to make new different things because he yeah. put himself in a niche and, and he was stuck there for a long time. And then he was punished when he tried to go back to, like, yeah. comforts. Um, and we talked about it a little bit in the Basquiat episode. I really do think that, especially as he's moving into the late 70s, early 80s, a lot of that really was just him trying to reconnect with the art world. Not the art market, but the art world and who is creating. And trying in a in almost an altruistic, but but perhaps more like a... Not a last-ditch attempt, because I really don't think it was, like, desperation. I think it really mm -hmm. was just this man who had who had become so separate from the people that he really liked to be around and wanted so desperately to, to make a name for himself, like, to reinvent himself as a mentor figure without realizing that perhaps the court, the, like, the court of public opinion was so against him that him just trying to help up and coming artists like Basquiat or or David Sal, Sale, Sal, um, like like David Sal or or Basquiat, uh, these artists that were really new and raw and experiencing the late eighties or like the the late seventies, early eighties New York. And and Warhol just wanted to be somebody that these artists could could rely on and could 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 confide in, and the public just tore him apart for it. Yeah, they did, and he. I, th I really think he was genuine in his support for these artists. Yeah, and they did kind of turn their back on him too. At some point, when they, when like for example, Basquiat, we've talked about, so I I know his story. He did, they did have a, a an exhibition together, and it was yeah. very frowned upon by the public. No, like people did not like it. And yeah. after that, he Basquiat distanced himself from Andy, and I think that hurt him a lot. Yeah, and yeah, for for what it's worth, I really think it was genuine support and he did want to help these artists and he knew how to get into the art world and he did help 
these are them get into the art world. But uh, for better name. or for worse, right? We we've yeah. talked about it with Basquiat, but it's the 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 eighties was such a ruthless New York art scene. We might one day just do an entire episode on like what that was. But I, I just I, I I feel I feel bad for Andy, but I also think he created a a standard for what we expect of marketable artists. He did and I and I think that is hurt that hurts people to this day. Because of the fact that if the algorithm no longer supports you, you will be abandoned. So it is better to commit to the algorithm until the algorithm no longer supports. It's just vicious cycle after vicious cycle. It is. And it's not like we're not pinning it entirely on Andy. And like he wasn't the sole perpetrator of today's uh, world of social media. But no, he, he died in 87. <laughs> he did. Uh, he did. And he was a big player, is the thing. He was the most successful artist at that time. Yeah. One of the. <laughs> and he set a precedent. And we today now have to follow that precedent or we're left behind. Yeah, I think the thing that annoys me most about Andy and why I disliked him before uh, really diving into his life yeah. um, is that he is very complicit in yes. the capitalistic road that we have been treading and have gotten to at this point. So he built the bricks or poured the cement on the road yeah. um, to where we are today. And I don't like capitalism. <laughs> and we know this. Um, but yeah, I think he played into it so much that yeah, it kind of screwed us over in the end. But like I, I said, not the sole perpetrator. But no, he was just—he was just a man living in New York, making yeah. art and 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 making money. And again, two things that we here at BioWap support: blah 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 blah. Yes, we're we're just trying to make it in this godforsaken world. There's nothing wrong with like finding a market and and committing to it. Blah 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 blah. I just, for the sake of brevity, as you did try to read a 900-page book, Andy Warhol knew what he was doing. I think that is the hardest for me when it comes to where Warhol criticism is like a little egregious and a a little bit over the top. I don't like Warhol simply because he thought that what he was doing was correct. He thought this was the way that all artists should approach things, that it doesn't matter, that it's a dog eat dog world. And why would art be any different? And was very content to cheat people out of a fair trial and a fair treatment simply because he thought that he could get away with it by being very sweet and very charismatic um, and a shrewd businessman. And while, yes, that made him a lot of money, it also made him a pariah that the art world is is constantly trying. He's, he's, he's essentially created himself a, a, a perpetual boogeyman of mm. 
how could you be such a such a fun and vibrant and dynamic artist and also be content with ruining people's lives and again we're not there's there's so much more to warhol that if you really there's there's so many things to just dive into of course the blake gotnick biography is is exciting but there have been so many movies and books and series dedicated to this man recently um, there were there was yeah. a new series too which um, one with about his diaries oh yeah um I, and a documentary on the factory which yeah. you know is is probably like the, the uh, a very fantastic entry level to warhol in the seven like in that 60s era Mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot about him there's m- so many biographies there's so many yeah introspectives there's so many he did accomplish what he set out to do you he know what i make mean make films too he, he did. did make music i think i think he made music I'm listen sure. don't quote me on this we celebrate uh, we celebrate david lynch for doing the same thing we do but he's eh. not a sellout I just, I just, I just, I just, I just. Yeah. But. The the pursuit for greed. For positive note side, his uh, foundation does, uh, is one of the biggest uh, grant giving foundations for the visual arts in the United States. Necessary. Um, There's also something very satisfying in knowing that. The wealth that he was able to accumulate, the wealth that the foundation is able to 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 generate, especially since his death in 1987, they are giving back into the art world, I think, in the way that Warhol was trying to do. And that's good. It's so good. Do you have any final thoughts, Elena? I think we summed it up really well. He had his nice sides and he had his not so nice sides he wasn't a, a perfect human being by any means he wasn't a complete trash either he was a human with flaws we do judge him for it because we're also human my final thoughts are that i'm afraid i will one day become andy warhol oh my god you'll be a cult leader it's fine if i do this what's the difference <laughs> But for other uh, art commune manifestos, screen printing tips, updates, newsletters, transcripts, blog posts, and more, head on over to our website at bywrpod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at bywrpod. And of course, you can check us out on Patreon. Our Patreon is the best way to support us if you like the work that we're doing here at BiWAP. Come say hi. I'm battling the sun. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And remember, when in doubt, titty out. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.